So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy, and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownwright, and I'm here to help you focus on connection, because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids, and connection will help you live a life full of real joy, because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. Hello, and welcome to Pause and Connect. I'm Rebecca Brownwright, and this is episode 18, A Power We Overlook in Parenting. Now, this power might be a little bit surprising. It's a little unusual to consider it a power, I think. I don't know that I've ever heard it called that, Um, but it definitely is a power that can connect, unite, and help both you and your child in huge ways. And that power that I'm talking about is sharing your stories with your kids. Sharing the stories of your past and the stories of relatives and ancestors is not only a fun thing to do, it actually helps your child. It can help your child to improve behavior, it can help your child live a better life, and it can give you a strength to realize that you actually do know what you're doing. (laughs) You do, mama. So in this episode, I'll talk about why it's so important to share your stories with your kids and then give tips on how to do it effectively to help improve behavior in your home and connection. That's what we're all about here. Okay, so first of all, um, from an academic perspective, this is really cool. You can improve your child's reading comprehension by telling the family stories of your family. I think that's so cool. So the reason this happens is because as children hear their family stories, they begin to get a better understanding of narrative. And then this helps them get better at understanding complex written material. So their reading comprehension is better. Their ability to write is better. Their ability to recount stories and recount information is better. And then not only that, children learn to understand other people's thoughts and emotions as they listen to your stories. So then they begin to learn empathy. And... Your kids can even develop stronger self-esteem as they hear family stories. So a study in 2006 looked at different narrative interaction styles when families are talking about their past. So they, they found that there are two narrative styles, narrative interaction styles that contribute uh, positively to children. And the first one is, it's called um, when conversations involve integrated information from all members of the of the conversation. So everyone who's there is contributing their own perspective and their own stories, and then everyone's integrating them together. That's that type of conversation. When that happens, children showed higher self-esteem, and that's incredible. <laughs> um, and then the other type of conversation is uh, the more individualized type. So where family members are taking turns sharing their thoughts and feelings, but they're not integrating their perspectives together. Um, This is just a different type of conversation and it helped children to show more self-control. So both of those are really good types of conversations to share stories where either you're all sharing stories and integrating them, or you're all kind of taking turns and they're not really integrating. Either one is is great and they help to improve your child's self-esteem and their self-control. And that's just incredible. So your child can develop better self-esteem, better self-control as a result of your stories, you sharing your stories. Now, other studies found that dinner conversations that included intergenerational family narratives, so 
um, you're sharing stories, your child is sharing stories, maybe you're sharing stories about grandparents or great grandparents or further back ancestors, that dinner conversations that had that resulted in adolescents with stronger identities, better coping skills, and lower rates of depression and anxiety. Isn't that, oh, that's, those are just fantastic um, side effects or, or uh, that's the wrong word here, but those are fantastic outcomes of, of having conversations about your life and your, your family's life. I just think that's incredible. And you know, it makes sense because when you have a rich understanding of your place in the world and where you fit in it, it's easier to feel good about yourself. Now, of course, there's a million ways to help children improve their self-esteem, and there are a bajillion factors that go into depression and anxiety. So we're not we're not solving the world's problems here by having dinner conversations where we talk about our our past and our our family's history, but you know, sharing your story can help to improve in these areas, so it's worth it. It's a simple thing to do that can help your child's life improve, can help your child's um, academics, their their mental health, their self-esteem. It can help all of that to improve. It's just one more tool that we can access. And it's not uh, it's not a super hard one to integrate into our lives. And so uh, that's I'm going to share a lot about how we can integrate it into our lives and and examples of what that looks like. And it's also a really helpful tool for coaching your children through tough issues. One day, my son, uh, when he was in kindergarten, was thinking back to a child in preschool who had been unkind to him. So this was, you know, the year before that, and he was thinking back that far. And so he laid out all the things that this kid had done. And then he said, mom, did this ever happen to you? And I thought that was so sweet. I didn't have that exact scenario in my personal history, um, but I had plenty of experiences when I was hurt by someone. So I shared a bit about that and he felt better. Now, he had actually brought this kid up several times before this conversation, and so I knew it was something that had bothered him. He'd been talking about it for a couple of years. And every time he brought up what this this kid had done to him, I would always hear him, I'd empathize, I'd soothe his feelings, and and it, it always was good. He always felt better after a conversation, and that you know, that would have been fine. But what's really interesting is that after I told him that I too had experienced something similar he never brought that kid up again. So it was like he finally had closure for what had happened to him because someone else had been through it. So when I say that this is a power that we're overlooking in parenting, that's what I mean. That was hugely powerful. By sharing a similar story with my child, my my child was able to put a painful situation to rest. He was able to cope with it and find a way to be okay with it and move forward. And that is so powerful. Family stories tether us to the earth, to each other, to our families. They help us reach back for strength. They help us learn from past lessons. They help us also to get rid of the things that are not going to continue to serve us. As we as we look back at what maybe somebody didn't do well, or maybe what we didn't do well, it helps us to... to um, Take a look at that and and not not do that anymore and and change things for ourselves and change patterns. My dad often shared stories with us about an ancestor named Benjamin Brown. He's my great 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 grandfather and he was a Mormon pioneer, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, um, one of the one of the early members of the church. And we have this 
uh, a copy of this journal that he wrote. It's kind of like a book. It's like 40, 50 pages about his life. And he had all these really incredible experiences, um, like things you, you just, how could all of this have happened to one person? And um, so he's kind of a legend in our family. And I remember sitting around the dinner table and my dad telling me this, telling all of us this one specific story, and it stood out to me so much. And it's just stayed with me my whole life. And the story was that Benjamin was attacked by a mob. He had been preaching about the gospel of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, afterwards, some men who didn't like hearing about this um, hunted him down with the intent to kill him. They found him in the woods and they beat him, breaking his ribs. And he was fighting back, trying to get away. But finally, he had the thought to act as if he was dead. So he let out a groan, let out his breath, and then he laid still and just hoped that he was acting dead enough so that they would leave him. And shortly after that, they believed that he was dead and they left him. So mission accomplished. And that story is horrifying. And I just I just can't believe that, I mean, this happens in our world and it happened to my ancestor just a few generations back. And I think that it stuck with me for its drama and for its unfairness, but it's also always there in the back of my mind, even now, decades later, after hearing it, because you know, I've been mocked for my religion. I have never been beaten, thankfully. But um, but when I've been mocked, I think of what Benjamin suffered. Uh, when I felt like something I have to do is too hard, sometimes I think about Benjamin. He, he had that situation and a lot of other really difficult situations as he was trying to do what he felt was the right thing. And and he persevered and he made it through. And that really helps me. Um, I know it's in my blood, but but also it's 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 somebody who I'm connected to. And the story was told to me by my father. And so it's just this this big connection um, through the generations that lifts me up. I also think of my great grandmothers and my grandmother who were single mothers at a time when women's opportunities were so limited. All of them left their state that they were living in and traveled to a new state. And I just don't even know how they did that during those decades that they were alive when when you really had to have a husband and they didn't have husbands. And I think of of how difficult that must have been to start over in a new place with children and and not have the support of a husband. Um, in those decades. I think of the talents that I know that they had. I, we have some some remembrances of them. We have some journals of from them. And so I, I we know some things about them. And I think, and of course, my my parents and, and their parents can tell us about them as well. And so anyway, I, I think of the talents that I know that these women had, and they were resourceful women, and they used their talents to, to um, improve their income, improve their circumstances, but they also use those talents to have fun and enrich their lives. And so I I love knowing that about them and thinking about how I do the same thing. And I draw on that strength when I try to improve myself or when I'm faced with something really devastating. I just love reading their stories or hearing their stories and recognizing myself in them. Like, oh, great grandma had this gift that I also have. And then I see how she used it and it helps me think how to use it. Now, none of these people were perfect. <laughs> um, we we know their flaws as well as the, their strengths. And so, you know, that's that's part of the good, that's the good part of learning about your ancestors because they're complete people, you know, complete people with strengths and with flaws, and they moved forward even with their flaws. And so it's, 
it's good to hear those stories because I can see how their flaws held them back and recognize myself in that too, but then see how they use their strengths to push themselves forward. And I can, and I can choose to do that as well. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's really just awesome to be able to learn this, to learn these stories and their, their stories, they carry me, they give me strength. And that's something that we can give to our children. We can share what we know of our parents and our grandparents and, and any ancestors that we do know about. And then that can help our children fit themselves into the world and into their family. And they can learn from their mistakes. They can learn from the mistakes of their ancestors. They can draw strength from the things that they saw their ancestors overcame. They can um, see the mistakes and, and say that I, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm not going to leave my wife with little children, you know, and, and make a plan not to do that and, and see, see those mistakes and, and decide not to, not to repeat them. So there's lots of, lots of things that come from this, from understanding where you fit in your family. And then when it comes to ourselves, we can consciously share stories of our personal past as parents in a way that will benefit our children and draw us closer together. And I think that this is so, so meaningful and powerful. I began using this power consciously when my oldest was about nine years old. I, Before this, I, I had shared stories about myself just for fun. But then when she was about nine years old, we were really struggling to get along and and I began to consciously tell her stories from my past in an effort to connect us, in an effort to understand each other, and in an effort to, to repair our relationship. So I thought back to when I was her age. That's how I started doing this. She was nine. I was trying to think back to where I was nine. What, where was I living? Who were my friends? Who was my teacher? That kind of stuff. And it kind of helped me remember that. And I started to remember what I felt at that point of my life. And then I began to consciously tell her those stories. So for example, I remember vividly the friendship drama that popped up out of nowhere. Um, I wore a particular vest too often and it caused this rift right down the third grade. Half of the girls made fun of me and told me I was dirty for wearing this vest, you know, twice in a week. And the other half told me that they were on my side, whatever that meant, you know. So that was a painful thing from that, that time of my life. And I told her about this. I remember at nine fighting and pushing and arguing with my parents. And I told her this. I remember the awkwardness of my hands as I learned to do my own hair. And I told her this. I remember feeling like I just wanted to be grown up and be able to do whatever I felt like. I remember thinking that everybody else had a better life than me. And I told her this. And as I told her, I realized a lot about probably what she was going through. I realized that her age was this in-between time and it's kind of hard. But I also remembered the happy times too. And I told her that too. I remember playing pretend, running and laughing at recess. I remember making big plans with my friends for our futures and deciding what I wanted to be when I grew up. I remember spending time with my little brother and trying to teach him everything I knew and just loving that relationship. I remember getting presents I hoped for at Christmas and going on family vacations. So it was a really happy time too. But it was confusing because I felt like I sort of understood the way that the grown-up world works, but I also knew I had no clue what was really going on in the grown-up world. I wanted to know the answers to everything, but I also loved living in my bubble. And I realized all of this as I was telling her my stories. And then I connected that to her and I realized that she was also probably in a tough transition time. So I told those stories verbally and then I also wrote her a letter after I had kind of been talking about a lot of things and then making this realization that, oh, this is a transition time and it's confusing. So I put that all together in a letter. And 
I explained that when I was nine, I felt angry a lot. I felt frustrated. I argued with my parents and sometimes I didn't even know why I was arguing with them. I made sure to include that I was also very, very happy during that time. But I explained that I didn't understand why my emotions went up and down like that. And I told her I was pretty sure that she knew exactly what I was describing (laughs) because I suspected she felt the same feelings. And I wrote in the letter that this was normal. I left the the note outside her bedroom door and I ended it by asking her to come find me for a hug after she read it. So she came in, she found me. I was changing the baby's diaper and she had this little grin on her face. Her lanky arms were swinging by her side. So I passed the baby off to dad and then she folded her long nine-year-old body into my lap and it had been a while. We had, like I say, we hadn't been getting along for a while. So we hadn't been snuggling. We hadn't been doing this. So this was, this was awesome that she wanted to come to me and and be close to me. So as she was sitting in my lap, I asked if my letter made sense to her and she agreed that she completely understood. So we decided some things, you know, we, we were like, how can we fix this? And we decided we would try and remember to hug when we're angry. And we came up with some plans in case we forgot to do that. So it was a really good conversation. Now, I had been a little nervous to write that letter to her because I didn't want to project my experiences into her life, but I could see visible relief as she realized that I understood what her life felt like for her right now because I had been there. And then I knew that we were on a path of understanding as we were going to move forward. So this this storytelling, it brought us together. We had been fighting like cats and dogs, and suddenly she wanted to spend more time with me. She was right by my side and even in my lap with those lanky limbs, her little lanky nine-year-old limbs, and she asked me questions about my childhood. And so then I would take those as clues as to what she might be going through. And she'd stay back with me anytime the family was walking ahead, and she'd talk to me. And this was so pivotal because this hadn't been happening before. We'd been fighting so much, but now that she knew that I had been there because I had shared those stories, now we were, we were able to repair. We were able to connect and spend time together. It seemed that she was trusting me more. She knew I understood her and she wanted to share herself with me. Now, this didn't solve every problem we were having, but it sure helped with a lot of our issues because connection does that and storytelling does that. So how to do this consciously and effectively in your parenting, in our parenting. Just start. Think of a story from when you were your child's age and share it. Share it tonight. And if you can't think of anything, tell a story from last year, from college, or from yesterday. Just get in the habit of telling stories. Now, your stories don't have to have morals. You don't have to teach a lesson with every story. You don't have to wait until something similar is happening to your child before you can share. Just share stories. If you don't do this very often, it might feel a little awkward and clunky at first. So you can say, hey, I was thinking about this funny memory and I wanted to tell you. And then over time, it's going to get easier. You can look up prompts to get you going. There's a million out there. Just Google it. (laughs) And then there are two times that are really good, good times for sharing stories. These are pretty universal. You can share around a meal or while you're driving in the car. I mean, you could share it anytime, but those are two times that everybody's attention kind of seems to be together. And, um, and of course, there's always except exceptions, you know, sometimes you just don't have it in you to do it at those times. But those are typically good places to start the habit of sharing stories about yourself and your family history. And, um, 
And then you can also start sharing a story when your kid does something that reminds you of your own childhood. So it can just be something that's kind of woven into your family dialogue. And as I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about something that happened just the other night. Uh, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it was just so funny. My, my daughter is in middle school and she talks to her kids, to, to her kids. She talks to her friends um, throughout the day over email because they all have their own Chromebooks. And I guess that's just the world now. And um, so we were just kind of laughing about that. And I said, don't you ever pass notes in class or in between class, like handwritten notes? Don't you ever do that? You know, because that's that's what we did in the 90s. And um, my, my husband told this story that I'd never heard before. He'd never shared it. And I thought I knew all of his his stories. And he, he, he was a really um, mischievous kid, not like, not naughty. He just liked to do things for laughs. Just do really weird things for laughs. Maybe one time I'll have him on here and he can tell you all the stories. They're really, really bizarre. But um, but this this time, this story that he told was he would wait until his teacher turned her back and then he'd get down on the ground and he'd army crawl over to his friend and then get up and whisper something to them like, hey, let's sit together at lunch. And then he'd army crawl back and try and do it before the teacher turned around. And so we were just laughing about that because he he's not one for writing notes. And so we were talking about, you know, my daughter's emailing. I, I wrote hand notes and my husband would army crawl <laughs> across the classroom to just pass a note pass a message because he he wasn't a note writing person. So that was really fun to hear. And, and it's just, it's just because we have this culture of sharing stories at the dinner table. So it was really organic. And it just happened as part of our conversation that day. So that was really fun, made everybody laugh. And everybody knows their dad a little bit better now. It was kind of fun. So um, also ask your child to share stories about their lives too. And you know, you can ask them what made them sad or happy today. What was a time when they had to do something hard? Help them think through their own stories. Because that remember that uh, study that I talked about in the beginning, where when people are sharing stories and integrating them all together, that really helps with self-esteem, which is just so cool. So I guess that's, now that I'm thinking about it, that's kind of the type of conversation that we were having. My my daughter was talking about emailing her friends, then I added my story of note writing, and then my husband added his story of army crawling across the floor to share his messages. So that, that was an example of that. So, you know, hopefully a little bit of self-esteem was built that night. Okay, another way to do this intentionally, to use the power of storytelling in your parenting, is to write back and forth together to each other. And I've made this super easy for you because I have a fun back and forth journal for kids and parents on my website. And I'll share a link in the show notes so it's easy to get to. Now, I made the journal originally just for one of my children and me. I was talking with a friend about how I didn't really know what was going on in this particular child's brain. And it worried me because that child had these outbursts that made me wonder if they were nice to themselves in their mind. I I really didn't know. By, because their outbursts were kind of extreme. So, but the problem was that child had a hard time expressing themselves verbally. They just couldn't put put to words how they were feeling. And then they'd get really frustrated when I would ask questions. So I couldn't, I just couldn't figure out how to understand them. And so I started asking questions in a notebook. I really didn't think that this was going to go very far, but wow, my child opened up. I learned so, so much about them. There were a few things I did find out that I was right. I needed to worry about and and help my child solve these issues. But 
There were also lots and lots and lots of happy things inside this child's mind that I did not know were there. It was so incredible to learn this about my child. So then I started writing back with my own stories. And then my child started asking me more details about those stories. And so we were able to bond in this really unique, very low stakes, but very connected way. We started getting along better when we spent time together. And I also found ways to bring up some hard topics that we needed to discuss. And I I found ways to do that in person, but it was all because we had shared about ourselves in writing ahead of time. It worked so well for this child. And I, I knew that that power was too good to keep to myself. So I created my back and forth journal and other parents have enjoyed sharing about themselves while learning those really important, deep and meaningful things about their children that they had no idea about before. And I do this with all my kids now too, even though they, the other kids are a little bit better at expressing themselves verbally, we still share stories back and forth in our back and forth journal so that we can understand each other better in a different way. It's, it's such a powerful way to share stories in this medium. And again, it's all done for you in my back and forth journal. You don't have to think of the prompts because they're already there. So go, so go grab that at my website after you finish this podcast. And again, I'll leave a link in the show notes. Okay, and my final way to use your stories strategically is to look for ways to share stories when your child is struggling. This is really, really helpful. So I already shared that story about my son and his need to know that I understood what it was like to have a kid who wasn't nice to you. And he only felt completely reassured once he knew that I had been through something similar. And and so that that is such a power. It's such a power. And so... You can do this strategically by looking for those opportunities. My mom did this for me a few years ago when I started a copywriting business. I was feeling some major imposter syndrome as I had my first client and I thought like, I'm not, I'm not going to do good work for them. How, who am I to be doing this? And I just couldn't get over that imposter syndrome. So she told me about when she had a toll painting business. So she rented a shelf in a local boutique where she would sell her hand-painted items. And they were really popular and they sold well. Now, when she started out, she felt like, who was she to be selling her art, right? So she had that imposter syndrome. But then people were buying it. So she realized it was good enough for people to pay for it, to display it in their homes, to give it as gifts. And then as time went on, her skill got better and better. So this was the point she was making. She was telling me that her first pieces were not as good as her last pieces. If you line them up, you would have seen that the the later pieces were better than the earlier pieces. But the thing was, those earlier pieces were still good enough for her customers. Her customers were still getting a great quality item, something beautiful. And, And later on, the customers were getting something even more beautiful. But It didn't make those first ones not worth it, if that makes sense. So she told me that story and then she related it to me. So she was telling me my first copywriting client is going to get good quality work from me because I had a a skill in copywriting. Now, my 10th copywriting client was going to get even better work, but that didn't mean that the first one was going to get shoddy work. That first one was still getting good, good work and better than what they could do themselves and something that was worth paying for. So that was something that was really helpful for me to hear from her that she had been through something just like this and how she had 
changed her mindset, how she had worked through those issues. And I've actually used that mindset over and over (laughs) because I tend to take on projects that are more than I know what to do. And so, so I use that all the time. Like, okay, I know I have skill here and I I know I can do this. And so what I'm going to put out first is good enough and it will get better as time goes on, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't share it my good enough right now. That's a great mindset that that I've been able to use over and over. So for example, when I started this podcast, (laughs) I know my 100th episode is going to be better than my first. I'm going to be working out kinks. I'm going to be saying um less often. I'm going to be uh, here I am right now saying, uh, I'm going to be doing that less often. I'm just going to know how to do it better. But my first episode is still good, even if my 100th episode is going to be better. And in fact, I just listened to my first episode this morning to see if it's true, to see if what I'm about to tell you is true. And it is. I still like that episode. Go listen. <laughs> it's it's perfect for the mom who feels like she doesn't measure up. It, it'll tell you you're doing so much better than you think. And it'll prove it to you. So yeah, listen to that. If you haven't heard it, or if you listened to it a while ago, go back and listen to my first episode again. Anyway, you can do this with your children too, as you're actively looking for opportunities to share with them, as you're actively looking for opportunities to help them see that you know a little bit of what they're going through. But there are good ways and bad ways to do this. So let me give you some don'ts and then some do's. So the first don't is to make sure that you don't center yourself when you're doing this, when you're sharing your stories. So for example, if your child comes home upset about a bad grade, and then you decide to tell your story of your first bad grade, but you it's you launch into this long story about how you got in trouble and what you thought of your teacher and how you were embarrassed by your friends and where what you were wearing and you know and you just go on and on and on about your story that's going to invalidate your child's experience and that's that's not fair to them so don't put yourself in the center of the story and I'll share how to not do that in a second when I talk about my dues okay the other don't is to not minimize your child's issue So don't say something like, don't think to yourself, well, I got through this and I was fine. And then say that out loud. Don't do something that's going to do that to them. So for example, if your child breaks their arm and you also broke your arm when you were a child, it's not going to be helpful if you say, well, I broke my arm, but still figured out how to keep up on my lawn mowing business, because that's going to make your child feel like, like your experience, you handled your experience better than they did. So instead, it would be helpful to talk about how painful the broken arm was and how sorry you are that your child has to experience it too. Does that make sense? So how to make sure that you don't do those don'ts, (laughs) that you don't center yourself and you don't minimize your child's issue. Here's some do's. One way is to ask permission. So you can say, oh, wow, I'm so sorry you got in a fight with your friend today. You know, that happened to me when I was your age. Can I tell you about it? So you ask the permission. They'll tell you no. They'll tell you yes, whatever they want. And then you can move forward from there. Another way, another do is to briefly share your story as a way to convey empathy. So you're just like two sentences. You're going to say, I'm so sorry you and your boyfriend broke up. I remember my first breakup and it was so sad. Or I bet it's hard to get up in front of the class to give your presentation. The first time I had to do that, I felt like I was going to throw up. So do you see how this helps you connect to your child through your story, but it doesn't center you or minimize 
what you're going, what your child is going through. And then it leaves the door open for your child to ask more questions if they want. If they want to hear your whole story, they can ask those, those questions to get that whole story. But, but they don't have to ask those questions and they can still get that benefit of understanding that, that you get what they're going through. And by doing this, you're not making your child do emotional labor. And that's, that's kind. Because if, if you instead do the don't where, where you talk about, oh, my bad grade, my first bad grade was so bad. And I got in so much trouble and blah, blah, blah. Then you're kind of putting your child in a position where they have to comfort you or where they have to listen and listen and listen and, and tell you, oh, it's okay. You know, and, and that's too much to put on your child who's suffering with their bad grade. Hopefully that makes sense. So by doing the do's where you ask permission before you share it or where you just give two sentences, I remember a similar situation and this is how I felt. By doing that, then you're just loving them and helping them know that you've been there and you're using the power of the story to just just put a little bit less space in between you where you can come together just a little bit closer. Now, Another do is you can also ask if they want advice. So in my example of my mom's painting business, she asked if she could give me some advice. And then when I said yes, that's when she shared her story. And that was a really, really effective way to do it. And the storytelling aspect of that is just so, so important. Because I I think about it, if she had said to me, you know, your first copywriting client is going to get good work and your 10th is going to get better work, but that doesn't mean your first is getting bad work. Like that, that might be a principle that I could kind of get behind and it might help me feel better. But by sharing her story of the painting business, that really made it profound. That really made it something that has stuck with me, something that I still think of as I'm, as I'm doing so many different things. I still think of, of what she said. So that, that story, sharing who she, who she is, what she went through, how she overcame it, helped me so much more than if she had just taught me a principle. Timing is also important too. So here's a don't. <laughs> when your kid is sobbing over a, friend, a friendship breakup, that's not the time to tell them, oh yeah, well, this happened to me and I, I got over it the next day. You know, like they don't need to hear the part where you got over it yet. You let that gradually unfold over the course of several stories as your child is willing to hear them. So the more you share your stories, the more you'll be able to use them in a way that is helpful and effective. And the more you share your stories, the more you'll see the wisdom that you have inside you. <laughs> that's, that's a really cool effect of this type of connection. Because as you uncover your past, you can see what you've learned, how far you've come, the knowledge that you store in your body and in your mind, and so much more. Remember back to the example I shared about when my daughter was nine years old and I, was, and I thought back to how I was nine years old. By looking back and sharing those stories, I learned something about myself. I learned that nine was a year where I went through a lot of transitions and changes and it was a confusing time. That's not something I had necessarily given word to before that moment, before doing that work of, of remembering that time and remembering and sharing those stories. So that was really helpful to me. It was helpful to understand myself and, and kind of 
like have an adult perspective of what I had gone through. And then also super helpful for me to understand my children. And that's a huge confidence boost in your own parenting when you understand yourself better, because then you can help your children better. You're, you're, you're just more confident. You don't, you don't feel like, oh, am I doing the wrong thing here? Because you get yourself better. You get what happened and you understand it in the context of who you are now. And it, it helps you have confidence in your decisions and in what you do with your own child. So I hope you've enjoyed hearing some of my family stories and that as you've listened, you've had your own come to mind. That's, that's actually what I hope with all of my podcasts, that as I'm sharing stories or principles or thoughts, that you're actually hearing your own mind come in and say, oh yeah, like that reminds me of this. And that reminds me of how I can help my child here. Like that's, that's what I hope happened in this episode and in every episode. I hope that you've had your own stories come to mind and you have some things that you want to share tonight with your children. So make that a goal tonight. Share a story with each of your children about the age that they are now. Or if you can't do that, come up with any story and and just and see how it goes. It it's it's so cool. And then remember to check out the link in my show notes to get your hands on your very own back and forth journal to get this process formally started in a super easy way. And if this has been a helpful episode for you, please leave a review. Let me know how, what you like about the podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy, where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review, sharing it on social media, or sharing with your friends. I love you and I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.